Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I'm John Prudeau, The Economist's US editor, and I'm the host of a new podcast about the 2020 elections and the road to power in America. Together with two of my American colleagues and a whole cast of Economist correspondents around the world, we'll take you through the ideas and the social changes that are shaping politics in what promises to be an exceptional election year. We'll look at the long view and ask the big questions. What has the Trump administration actually achieved? What do centrist Democrats really believe in? And what kind of country is America going to be after November? We'll go beyond the headlines and the horse race to delve deeper into the contest for the White House and why it matters so much. That's Checks and Balance for the global view on democracy in America. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast or your podcast app. Start listening today. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. Come out and take it, you dirty yellow-bellied rat, or I'll give it to you through the door. That's right, you dirty yellow-bellied rats. Today, we're going to talk Hollywood tough guys, see? And maybe the greatest tough guy of them all, see? The one and only James Cagney. And when I say we're going to be talking about it, I ain't just talking about me, you dirty rats. I'm talking about me and the one and only Bernard McGurk of the great Bernie and Sid show here on WABC. So like I said, listen up, you dirty rats, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right. Well, that voice you heard of the dirty, uh, you dirty yellow belly rats was the one and only James Cagney. And I've known Bernard McGurk for a long time, but one thing I never realized we had in common was the genuine love for the old... Tough guys in the movies, in particular one, James Cagney. So since Bernie and I always talk about it, I said, what the hell? Let's have Bernie in with me to do a show and talk about it. So the one and only Bernard McGurk joins me now. How are you? Joins you now. There he is, Russ Salzberg from the projects in Brooklyn here. What do you hear? What do you say, Rusty? I'm doing good. How you doing, Bernie? That could be a lot worse. Let me tell you. (laughs) You know where I got that from? I could be a lot worse. Could be worse. That's James Cagney. In, in which one? I forget, but I, I guaranteed it's James Cagney. Oh, I'm sure. Could be worse. Well, l- let me say this, folks. We talk about it. Bernie and I talk about TCM all the time uh, because, quite frankly, if anything is after 1940, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's too new for me and Bernie. It is true. Well, <laughs> Am I right? Uh, yes. Well, I, I, I maybe go up to 1960, yeah, no, I'm, I'm but I know you're being a little bit uh, facetious. Right, absolutely. But yeah, no, yeah, no. Listen, listen. The old movies, the classics, 
Nothing like them. I mean, the plot, the acting, the dialogue. That's what matters. It's not the special effects and uh, nothing. I mean, the, just the, the junk that they put out today. I just can't stand it. I don't want to even go unless it's a comedy today. I don't want to go near it. Uh, bl- believe me, when I see those old movies, I, and I'll look at my wife and I'll say, "It just goes to show you." And I'm not talking just Cagney movies, but a lot of the old movies. Man, they yeah. didn't have to spend with, with, like you say, the special effects and everything else. But the thing about Cagney with me, I mean, my all-time favorite. My, I'm biased. I don't think anybody was ever better. But the funny thing about Cagney, is, as much as he's known for all this, and I know you know this, for all this tough guy stuff, I fell in love with him when I was seven years old. And I wasn't in the projects in a, in Brooklyn yet. I was living in the tenements in the Bronx. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. and um, I didn't have my own room, and I had the mumps, so my bed was in the hallway. <laughs> and, and this is a true story. And hard scrabble, hard scrabble. The million dollar movie. You remember the million on dollar Channel movie? Nine? Channel Nine. Absolutely. It used to be on like three or four times a day. I had the mumps. I watched Yankee Doodle Dandy three times a day for a week. And that's how I became in love with James Cagney. My mother thanks you. My, my brother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks thank you. you. And, and I, I thank, thank you. you. Absolutely. And when he puts his head down and cries in his father's, on his chest. Yeah. Uh, Walter Houston. Walter Houston was his dad. And, oh. and, and, of course, when he comes, I mean, the, the iconic, two iconic scenes, dancing on the table and then dancing down the stairs from after uh, the meeting with FDR. Uh, now, now uh, you just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> no, this is a true story. About a year ago, I have three grandsons, God bless. Miles is five, Max is going to be four next month, and little Jonesy is two. But when Miles and Max were four and three, they're sleeping over the house, and they walk in and they into the room, and they happen to see me watching uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Now, you know, kids don't know from black and white movies. A- anyway, so, yeah, like, right. so like, what's no. this? And they watched, they were watching with me, Yankee Doodle Dandy. I have it in the DVR set, the two scenes that they love. Little Johnny Jones, when he's dancing on a stage and, like, dances up the wall. And the other right. one, they just die when when he dances down the steps after visiting the president. Amazing. And, and like, to me, I'm going past, like, from my, my childhood with my father, let him rest in peace, to what my grandsons That's now, great. it's like a rite of passage. It's fantastic. And by the way, uh, and, and the same thing with me. I try to get my kids when when they were younger to watch with me. But uh, on that scene when he's dancing down the stairs, and I look for stuff like this, it is not edited. He comes down and he dances the whole way down without a cut. I look for stuff like that. Uh, when I, I, as I do with uh, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, but James Cagney came down those stairs, and, and that's kind of hazardous dancing like that. As you know, he was a trained dancer. A, I mean, that's a what major he, hoofer. Yeah. That's what he wanted to be, really. So was George Raff, by the way. I did not know that. Georgie Raff, another tough guy, no, another tough guy. Right. In fact, in, in Cagney's mm. autobiography. In fact, you know what? I just ordered it because I, I was doing some research, and um, Cagney claims. That George Raft saved him legitimately from being whacked by members of the mob. No kidding. Yeah. I, wow. I, I did not know that. In fact, because so, he grew up in the uh, east side it, I, uh, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. He, I guess he moved from up in the 80s 
to the but east side. Either way, the Upper East Side back when he was growing up wasn't what the Upper East Side is today. It was still hard scrabble tenements, that type oh, of thing. Oh yeah, it wasn't a you know Beverly Hills. Right, it wasn't right. It wasn't you know Granite uh, Forest Hills or something. No, like that. Or, or again like uh, you know a million dollar uh, co-ops or whatever. It was it was tenements with fire escapes and uh, it was it was a tough place. You know, and because he lived there, you know, on the east side, because up in the 80s, it was the real Irish neighborhood. Lower east side was, you know. A little more mixed Jewish. A little more mixed. Speaking of Jewish, and this, till I saw it, I almost, and I told you about this, uh, in a movie called Taxi, okay? Uh, I think it was like 1932, Cagney uh, is is a cab driver, you know, in the beginning of the movie, and he speaks perfect Yiddish. Listen to this. Uh, what are you trying to do? Kid me? How can I understand? It's Ellis Island, Ellis Island, Ellis Island. What about Ellis Island? <laughs> Nolan. What part of Ireland did your folks come from? <laughs> Delancey Street, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. I, I know the movie. I saw the scene. I remember. In fact, you you tipped me off to it at one point. That he was doing that, but I had seen the movie before that. That scene never really stuck out in my mind, but uh, after you pointed it, highlighted it, it is incredible. And, and that the guy, the cop was saying to him, Nolan, yes. part, you know who he was? He was his guy, his mentor in Public Enemy. The guy who said he was going to give up the rackets. You know, if I can bring him uh, t- back. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, exactly, which which was made a year before. Yes. One year before that 19, uh, tax. 1931, yes. yeah. Public Enemy, which was, again, that, another classic, uh, I mean... I mean, it was really scary, eerie, I mean, when they dropped the body off at the end. But he was the, the ultimate tough guy. You know, that's when he started to hone it. We we they, we both watched the movie that was made in 1930 where he played a tough guy. But it wasn't a great movie. No. It, that was his very first movie. Uh, what the heck was it? Sinner's, uh, Sinner's Holiday. Yes. But uh, that's when Prohibition was still in effect. And so was Public Enemy. He was a uh, He was a bootlegger. And it was a rough and tumble time, and and and, and actually, they they said the scenes. We're not trying to glamorize. They had to actually uh, uh, put a qualifier out at the beginning. We're not trying to glamorize the mafia business or the the, the uh, underworld or whatever. Not mafia, underworld. We're not trying to glamorize it. This is what really happens, and they do. They show how he ends up, which is dead, it, it, it wrapped up in a sheet. You know, they drop his body uh, off in his mother's house. Remember his mother's. Oh, yeah, he's coming home. He's coming home. Yes, Tommy, he's, coming home. he's coming home. Oh, there he is. There he is. <laughs> and then she opens the door and the body just falls into the house. I mean, it, it's re- a, incredibly powerful. And to think about that, you and I were just talking about it the other day. 1931, that movie stands today as tall Absolutely. as anything. Absolutely. I can watch it over and over. It's, it's like, uh, and I we say our cutoff for you, 40, me, 60, just joking around, you say 40. Huh. But 
I mean, with the exception of Godfather and Goodfellas, which, by the way, are two movies you can watch over and over again, just like Public Enemy. Just like Public Enemy, and quite frankly, um, all of Cag... I mean, well, I think your favorite of Cagney's is probably... Angels, Angels. with Dirty Phrases, no I, doubt about I, it. I mean, he is just unbelievable in that. He really is great. Uh, what do you hear? What do you say, Jerry? He starts off, of course, the, the kid that plays him as a young boy looks just like him. But, yeah, they start off uh, as, as pals. Him and the priest, the, the, the Pat O'Brien ultimately played the priest, and they were friends in the hood with the, with Ann Sheridan, who was the little girl, the, the girl with the pigtails who he was taunting. And then they grow up. After he does time, he comes back home to the old neighborhood, and they take it away. Rocky Sullivan, and, and he goes and, to Father Jerry, and, and Father Jerry sends him uh, to a place to, so, well, maybe he can find a place to uh Rent a joint. Look, Rocky, just before I came up here, the boys saw me off on the train, Soapy and several of the others. Well, you can well imagine what they told me. Should father tell Rocky to show the world what he's made of and tell him not to be afraid and go out laughing? And... Well, what do you want? I'm not going to let them down. That's boring, eh? That's what I want you to do. I want you to let them down. You see, you've been a hero to these kids and hundreds of others all through your life. And now you're going to be a glorified hero in death, and I want to prevent that, Rocky. They've got to despise your memory. Got to be ashamed of you. You asked me to pull an act, turn yellow, so those kids will think I'm no good. You asked me to throw away the only thing I got left, the only thing I've been able to take away from me. You want me to give those newspaper sophisters a chance to say, another act, turn yellow. Rocky, you and I all know that you're not. You're asking a nice little favor, Jerry. Ask me to crawl on my belly, last thing I do in life. I know what I'm asking. And the reason I'm asking is because being kids together sort of gave me the idea that you might like to join hands with me and save some of those other boys from ending up here. Not done, Don. You're asking too much. You want to help those kids? You got to figure out some other way. But it's impossible to do it without your help, Rocky. I can't reach all of those boys. Thousands of hero worshipping kids all over the country. Oh, don't give me that. You might not be stopping in, will you? I had never that in the courtroom. Told everything I knew. Name names. You had to load down the whole dirty mess. Now, what more do you want? What I've always wanted, Rocky. Straighten yourself out with God. Outside of that, I can't ask for anything else. Well, don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't. Nothing doing. Oh, my goodness. That no, was great. Gracious. Of course, he, he, they're talking about the dead-end kids who came to idolize uh, Rocky Sullivan. Yeah, I, I threw it to the wrong thing there. I, that that was the classic one when he's going yeah. at the oh, end. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. but they did. The, the dead end, and that's what made the movie so great. Uh, you had the dead-end kids, Leo Gorsi, Billy Halep, uh, Hunts Hall, all those guys, Bobby Jordan. Billy Halep, if you remember, was also in... Um all in the family. All in the family. He, he was. He was. He's <laughs> he in the was, bar. He was in the bar. But Billy Hallop was in Dead End. Well, Dead End. Oh, Dead End, which, which was Joe McRae. Like two years, maybe before, with Joe McRae and Bogey. Uh, it was two years. It was nineteen thirty-seven. Bogey. Joe McRae and Bogey played uh, the one one of the best uh, hoodlum parts. I forget what his name it wasn't Duke Mantee, but it no, was, no, no. It was actually the same year at filmed as uh, as the Petrified, Petrified Forest, Forest Duke where Mantee. he played Duke Mantee, and he played a similar character in Dead End. Uh, yes, which was uh, absolutely another one of my favorites. Another and with with the kids were all the Dead End kids were in it, and then again in, in uh, Angels with Dirty Faces, where they play that scene plays out. Nothing to well, don't, and then of course. He goes to, uh, he, they start taking him to the uh, gas chamber itself. And, uh, well, what happens? You know, wait, me screw. What's your face? It'll be the last face you see, big shot, and it'll be the laughing at you. Don't get near me now, I'll spit in your eye again. Edward, stand back. Thompson, take care of it. 
nothing to you. I don't need anybody. Come on. Atta boy, Rocky. Pick your own company. <laughs> Atta boy, Rocky. Pick your own company. <laughs> I'm getting for Clemthy. Just listen. No, to it's that. fantastic. It's, it's unbelievable. And shortly before that, that, that same guard who was taunting him, he goes, "So say, Rocky, how'd you like the last meal, Rocky?" And he goes, "Well." I like the uh, I like my meat. I like my potatoes, but the meat was burnt. I don't like burnt meat. Do you? And this is as he's going to the electric chair. I don't like burnt meat. Do you? And he throws a cigarette at him. It's a classic. It's a classic line. And then, of course, then he goes into the uh, electric chair. And well, and well, the, 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 do we have that? Go ahead. I don't want to die hopefully. I don't want to die hopefully. Oh, don't make me burn that Oh, please, I got me. Please, don't kill me. Oh, don't kill me, please. Oh. Uh, you have goosebumps? Yeah, no. Please, don't kill me. Oh, and then he dies. I mean, I get goosebumps listening no, to it now. And, and, and that's how it leaves you. It, it leaves you thinking, did he go out like a yellow belly rat or did he go out doing it for the kids? Right. And of course, my conclusion, of course, is that he did it for the kids. But I mean, it, it leaves it. It's ambiguous. Who knows? No, you, who, who really you, knows? You, you don't know. It, it was just. But and I remember when they're reading about it back in, in down in the basement. Yeah. The boys, this can't be true. That can't be. Rocky, true. you didn't turn yellow. No, no way to tell you. Hey, there's father, father Jerry. There. Hey. Yes, boys. Hey, father, father. Actually, I think uh, we have that clip as well. What happened? Did Rocky die like they said? Like a yellow rat? Every word of it. He died like they said. All right, fellas. Let's go and say a prayer for a boy who couldn't run as fast as I could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's I'm amazing. Gonna, I, I can't function the rest of the day and, after listening. And they to go this. pray, but he, that's two fabrications that uh, Pat O'Brien told right there. One was that. He yeah, boys. He turned yellow when he we really didn't turn yellow. He did it at at, at the father, the priest behest. Well, yeah, of the course. O- the other uh, fib that he told was, "Let's go say a prayer for a kid who couldn't run as fast as me." When they were running away as kids, the priest uh, Pat O'Brien fell down, and Rocky Sullivan doubled back to help him. Right, and that's why he got caught. He ran faster than the priest. The priest fell, and he got help. And he says, let's go no, say a prayer, prayer for a kid, kid who couldn't run as fast, fast as, me. as me. That always bugged me. <laughs> I mean, the first thing did it. And, 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 and if you remember, the, the kid, when they show you at the beginning of the movie, the guy who plays you know Pat O'Brien's character, a little bit of a chubby guy. So there was no way he was running as no, fast right, as, right, uh, right, right. as Cagney's character. But uh, Father and, Jerry. Father Jerry. And then, of course, the, as the one I said earlier, which is the great line that you all, and I always say to one another was um, the great line of what do you hear what do you say but that's when Father Jerry had sent him to find a place to live. A friend of mine sent me over here Jerry Conley. He's a priest over at the parish house. You know him? Father Jerry? Yeah. Does that send me in? Oh I get it now. You're Rocky Sullivan. Yeah. Remember me? No. Laurie Martin? 
Glory Martin. That little fresh kid with the pigtails. Well, hello. What do you hear? What do you say? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I've waited 15 years to do that. Oh, my goodness. Classic. Just, just great stuff. Uh, and, you know, uh, we watched it on TCM for years and years. I don't see it on TCM any longer. That is the one that you just never see. And, and I see, as you do, we see a lot of the Cagney stuff on TCM, you know, at different times. Yeah. You see Yankee Doodle Dandy, a All lot, which, time, which yeah. by the way, Yankee Doodle Dandy is the one, he was nominated, uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy was the one he won the Academy Award for. He was nominated, his first nomination was for Angels with Dirty Faces, and his last nomination was in 1955, Love Me or Leave Me, the Ruth Edding story uh. with Doris Day, and it was about, it was true story. She was like a, a cabaret singer, I believe. Uh, it was Doris Day married to uh, Marty Moe to Gim Snyder, a real-life gangster. Really? And he played the real-life gangster. You know, I never saw that. Oh, he's great. But he did make around that same time, 55, maybe it was 55, 56. He made the movie with Jack Lemmon and uh, Henry Fonda in the Navy. Oh. He played the captain. Oh, Mr. Roberts. Mr. Roberts. It's a classic. Exactly. But that was that was one of his last movies, I believe, that he made. Uh, Mr. Roberts went, Mr. Roberts, you get up here to the uh, deckhand or whatever the hell it is. I don't know what what he says, but he, he's got the palm tree that Jack yeah. Lemmon throws off. It was great. And he was also, White Heat was, I think, the last uh, good, really successful uh, tough guy picture he played in. 1949, Top of the World Ma. That was 1949 with Virginia Mayo. And uh, after that, he never really played, except for that one you mentioned in 55, which, which I never saw. But White Heat was the last really good tough guy movie he made. Oh, oh no. The tough guy, what, uh, but he made, he made other movies. You know, did you ever see Shake Hands with the Devil? I, that was, wasn't that with Humphrey Bogart? No, no, no. Shake Hands with, with the Devil, he was, play, he was a professor uh, over in in Ireland. Oh, it was an the, Irish thing. Yes, I did. The so. IRA. I thought that. Yeah. You know, the thing about Cagney, he played. You know, while he was a like some of his characters, like as much as he was in um, Angels with Dirty Faces, he was a likable. Rocky Sullivan was a likable yeah. tough guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the Roaring Twenties, he was a, a likable tough guy. Right. And a lot of those, but believe me, in White Heat. He was vicious in white heat. He, oh, yeah, he was. And, 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 and the one I told you about, Love Me or Leave Me, I mean, he was a mean, just a great actor. Oh, it was terrific. And, and, and the two, back to Angels with Dirty Faces, of course, and we mentioned Humphrey Bogart in Dead End. Humphrey Bogart in Angels with Dirty Faces played his lawyer. And Frazier. Frazier. And then he, they, he's sitting in jail. He, took, he did the time for uh, Frazier. He took the heat. He took the uh, bullet, so to speak. And Frazier comes to visit him, and at one point he says to Frazier, you're a smart lawyer, Frazier, very smart. Just don't get smart with me. <laughs> then when he gets out, he looks up Frazier, looks for the money, and he couldn't get it, and that's when all the trouble started. Yeah, no, it, it was, he, he was just, it was there were so many good on. movies. Did you, I mean, one of, the, uh, one of his early ones, 1935, G-Men. Uh, yes, yes, yes. 
Oh, G-Men, right, great. Very good. And what about 13 Rue Madeleine? Let me tell you that. <laughs> 13 Rue Madeleine, do you remember who... Now, folks, if you haven't seen 13 Rue Madeleine, he was like an undercover guy or FBI guy. In World War II. World War II, seeking out Nazis. Right. Do you remember who played the Nazi infiltrator? I, I can't say that I do. If you remind me, I'll say, yeah, that's well, it. Well, I'm going to tell you, give you a hint. He was in Godfather 1. I don't know. Uh... Richard Conte. Oh, really? Okay. Richard yeah. Conte. Wow. Richard Conte got whacked on the steps in front of the... Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Richard Conte. He was uh, another old-time tough guy. Never made it that big. No, no. Uh, he, he In fact, he was in Ocean's Eleven and stuff like that. But 13 Rue Madeleine. There was also Bridge on Under the Sun or Bridge on the Sun. Um, he plays a... It was a, around that time, he plays a, a, a reporter... In um, Japan. Yes, right, right, right. And, and in fact, his friend in the movie was Leave It to Beaver, Beaver Cleaver's father, you Beaumont. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and the thing about in that movie, is it Bridge Under the Sun? What the heck? I'm, I got to look this up here. It's driving me crazy. Blood on the Sun. Blood it's on it's the called sun. Blood on the Sun. He has the same death run. That he does in Roaring Twenties, you know, with it taking shots at him. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, there he in in Roaring Twenties, he oh, dies on the steps. Yeah, yeah. This one, he's running to the U.S. Embassy, and and the bad guys, the Japanese, are trying to get him, and they get him, but he's not dead, and and he makes it to the embassy. It's the same kind of death. That's run. great. The Roaring Twenties again. Humphrey Bogart was his partner. Uh, they start off. They're bootleggers. They start off in the Roaring Twenties in World War One. At one point, Bogey, he's the tough guy. He shoots. Uh, he shoots a German, and he turns around to Cagney and some other guy. He goes, "Yeah, got him right in the heart. Jumped up six feet in the air. Come down straight as a board." <laughs> I remember that. You're right. <laughs> I mean, it's just classic lines like that. Little lines like that, but. Uh, no, they were terrific. And also, there was uh, each dawn I die with Cagney. We played uh, a prison inmate. How about also um, Each Dawn I Die, great war movie, The Fighting 69th. Fighting 69th, yeah. Oh, that was terrific. Uh, that was uh, Pat he, he tells, that was smart ass uh, at the beginning. And then, of course, they, uh, they, 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 well, they beat him into submission or whatever. Well, he, you they know, beat he, him he, down, not literally, but no, uh, no, mentally. And he, he really, they, you don't know if he was a coward there because he just wanted to run and save his ass. And then when it comes time to, you know, right. he, he's shooting, the, the, like, I don't know, missiles or whatever you call it. Here's one from Jersey and one from Brooklyn yeah, yeah, and yeah. one from the Bronx. And then he lays on, on the, um, he, he dives on the, uh, what do you call it, the, the hand grenade and saves him. And then Alan Hale. Alan Hale. Hale. Alan Hale says, oh, Jerry Plunkett, I'll always stand at attention <laughs> next right, time right, I right. hit Jerry Plunkett. Oh, my God. That was great. You know, I'm that, getting for clumped here. <laughs> I believe they made that during World War II as uh, a propaganda movie to motivate people. It was set in World War I, but they try, were trying to get people to enlist, that type of thing. So, you know, patriotic fervor and all that stuff. And that's why they came up with that movie at that time. Uh, it, it just... He was just, when I think about it, and, and all the movies that, that he, I mean, it's one after the other. The crowd roars. Uh, I mean, yeah. the, there's one, The Mayor of Hell, 
which it wasn't the Bowery Boys. It might have been one of them in the movie where, like, he's like a, a gangster, but he finds out that these kids are in, in the reform school and they're being mistreated and some kid dies. Just one after another after another. But, you know, we're just talking about Cagney, but like we mentioned George Raff before. How about... How about Edward G. Robinson? No, see, you get in social conditions now, but you can't take it, see? No, Pub- uh, excuse me. Uh, uh, Little Caesar. Little Caesar. I-, I mean, Little Caesar, are you kidding me? Like, how good? So good. It- it- it's, that holds up, like, ridiculous. Absolutely. that, And that was made the same year as, yes. as Public Enemy. Yes, yeah. yep. Yeah, Eddie G. was uh, terrific. I mean, that's where he made his name. And then he was uh, a sort of typecast for a long time as a tough guy. And he broke out of that a little bit with uh, a couple of movies later on. Uh, yeah, it, what was it? Key Largo, I think? Key, Key Largo. He was Well, no, he was a mean, a tough guy in Key Largo. Yeah. Bogey was the good guy in Key Largo right, with right, Lauren right. Bacall. Yeah. Lionel Barrymore was in it. But... Um, Oh, I'm I'm drawing a blank. He, he was uh, Edward G. Was just Doctor Ehrlich's magic bullet. You, oh my God! See, <laughs> You're nailing it. <laughs> you you certainly do, Doctor. I Ehrlich's love ma- the old movies. Oh, and, and, but the worst cast, the worst cast ever, worst casting ever was Edward G. Robinson in the Ten Commandments. Okay, yeah. He plays, I think, Nathan or something. And, I mean, the only thing he was missing in the Ten Commandments with Pharaoh and Moses was a pinky ring and a cigar. (laughs) Well, what are you thinking of Moses now, huh? Give me the golden calf, see? No no good, no good. (laughs) just wasn't working. (laughs) Eddie G is still Eddie G. You can't put him in, uh, in some biblical robe. It just does not work. And much, much, much later... In the 60s, he played in a terrific movie with Steve McQueen called The Cincinnati Kid when he was, uh, it was about being a great poker player. In the sense, uh, Steve McQueen was the guy, you know, uh, was the new guy who was going to be, you know, he wanted to challenge and play the best. And um, Steve, uh, uh, Edward G. was the best. But they had people that they brought in for that movie an older Joan Blondell, Cab Calloway. Uh, Carl Malden was the dealer, and Carl Malden wanted to cheat for him because, um, you know, he wanted Steve McQueen to win, and McQueen got pissed off. He goes, what do you th- I got to beat him fair and square. I can't beat him this way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I don't recall. Now, that's way past 1940. Yeah, no, past was, your that, cutoff. That, no, yeah, I know. I, I, that was being I know you're being, you can run. But, but uh, that was in the 60s. That that was in Ed, Edward G. He, he also played um, He played a comedy with Frank Sinatra, A Hole in the Head. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. I got to revisit it. It's yes. been a while. Yeah. But uh speaking of past the 50s and tough guys, there were also good guys that were tough guys. Guys like Gary Cooper, High Noon. I mean, uh I mean and that was that was I think like 52. And then there was from here to eternity Burt Lancaster. Uh, that was 53 or 54. Then there was Kirk Douglas. Who was fantastic? He was the most manly, and he's still alive. Hundred three, just turned hundred three. But guys like that, tough guys like that, Robert Mitchum, even you're mentioning. You just mentioned three guys. My wife mentions all three of the guys you just mentioned: Jerry. Kirk Douglas, uh, Burt Lancaster, and Mitchum. Mitchum had the sleepy eyes. 
and, and the cleft, and the cleft just, yeah. just as um, uh, Kirk did. But, but I mean, all three of them. Like, you want to talk about honks today? Yeah. They had nothing no, on no, those. No, 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 Besides no. being honks, each one was a better actor than the That's next one. That's right. They were great actors. They were manly men, and they made no apologies for it. Kirk Douglas, I remember one of my favorites, uh, Detective Story. He oh, is William Bendix was, was in it too. William Bendix from Guadalcanal Diary, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yes, uh, in in Detective Story, he's such a tough guy, but he finds out his wife is cheating on him, and it just ruins him. And you that'll see do the, it to you. But yeah, but you'll see the vulnerability of a, a a tough, tough guy like that who's dealing with thugs in the underworld and the mutts in the streets. And he just falls to pieces. It's just a, a masterful performance. That, and of course, Man with a Horn, Ace in the Hole, all kinds of great movies with Kirk Douglas. Do you remember him in Champion? Uh, as as a fighter, obviously. Oh my yes. God! I mean, as a he, you know, he's taken a beating. I, I, I think Ruth Roman was his wife uh, or his girlfriend or something. But he, he's taken a beating, and he gets up. And like an eye is closed and all the faces are looking at him on the ground and, and they're expecting him, you know, like he's getting whacked. They all wanted him to lose. And he looks at everybody with his sneer, you know, <laughs> and he's got the eye and the eyes closed. And then he gets up and he just kill. He just beats that, you know, he wins the fight and in the locker room he dies. Uh. It, it's just, oh, <laughs> I mean, great movies. And Bold and the Beautiful. <laughs> Right, great, great. He plays with uh, some uh, gorgeous young women. By the way, uh, in White Heat, uh, James Cagney was with the gorgeous Virginia Mayo, who was as as Cagney would say, a snappy looking dish. Oh my God, God. she she was swell. By the way, that was forty nine <laughs> in nineteen fifty. They made something called the West Side, uh, the West Point story. And they danced. Yes. And if you watch, if you sit through the movie, it's not a great movie, but if you, you're, you're able to sit through it towards the end and watch their dance performance, it's unbelievable. And she is, she is so hot and he's a good dancer. Speaking of hot, I, I mean, you brought out this to me, uh, and I didn't realize it, but you were the first one to tell me about it. The code. Yes. Uh, what, what what is it? Haze. The Haze Code, right? I, I mean, because this was it was a certain time before like thirty five. Thirty five, exactly. I I mean, where you want to talk about hot dishes, right? I, I mean, there was a scene. I I remember a movie called. Um, I just watched it recently. Red Dust with Claude Gable, who he he played a like not a real vicious tough guy, but he played a couple of gangster roles. He was in 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 this scene with. Gene Hollow was like 1932, and it was like risque at the time because, it, like, they were dressed, but like she had on this negligee without a, a bra, right? And it was like, whoo! It's true. It's true. Uh, I, when I look at the movies, I go through the TCM, and I see if I see it's uh, 35 or before, particularly 34 and before, I'll stop and say, "Let me tape this and check it out." And you will see, for example, Sinner's Holiday. Joan Blondell is in one scene, and the the headlights are on high beam. It's unbelievable. <laughs> You're right. You and, 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 be right. And plus, they you have the scenes where they're both uh, they're going underneath the boardwalk to do what? They yeah, wouldn't yeah. allow that past no, thirty five. A hundred percent after nineteen thirty five, and that's why people have this rosy view of you know the thirties, forties, fifties. 
because they wouldn't allow that to be conveyed in the movies. So people think, oh, everything was nice and smooth. Things were just as bad back then. I mean, there was prostitution, there was drugs, there was crime, there was gambling. I mean, it's a little worse now, but back they still it was still existed. It wasn't you know uh, uh, Mayberry for God's sakes. You, you know, in Sinner's Holiday, folks, which is Cagney's very first, very first movie. I did not know this because when I saw it, and, and I told you about it, like you see the difference from 1930 that was made to 31 when when. Um, Public, public Enemy was made. The difference in the quality from a year yeah. was much far more advanced oh, than one year later. But they got Sinner's Holiday from a, a, a play on Broadway called Penny Arcade in which Cagney starred along with Joan Blondell, who were both in Sinner's Holiday. And how did it get to the theater? Al Jolson saw this sitting in the theater and said, I'm going to buy the rights to this. And he bought the rights to the movie and sold it to Warner Brothers. How's this? That's funny. And he said, the only way you get it is if you use Cagney and Blondell in the movie as well. How about that? That is cool. Uh, He saw them in 1929. No kidding. How about that? And that, that discovered Cagney, essentially. And one more thing about the Hayes Code. Uh, W.C. Fields, <laughs> it was W.C. Fields and I believe Mae West in uh, this one movie. And Is that a gun in your pocket or you glad well, to see Well, yeah, that, that too. She she made a bunch of movies that were risque, but there was one with W.C. Fields. It might have been The Bank Dick. Now, just think of it, The Bank Dick. They're already playing. It's a play on words. Right. And then there's one scene. The It's the Black Pussycat Lounge, right? So if you look at the scene, this is true. Watch this. The watch the bank dick. The scene in the Black Pussycat Lounge. W. C. Fields is there. He's a drunk, and the the words uh, that you see on the screen are "Black Pussy," the Black Pussycat Lounge. But in this particular scene, you look in the background, and all it says is "Black Pussy." I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God, this is what W.C. Fields pulled. And I believe that was pre-Hayes Code. If not, they pulled they pulled a fast one on him. Well, W.C. Fields, l- l- let me tell you, when you they talk about comedy and stuff, I mean, the guy, you know, he was a drunk. He had a nose. I mean, quite, if you squeezed his nose, I oh, think yeah. an olive and a cocktail came out of it. And they, they, they would ask him, how do you like kids? He says, I like them boiled. <laughs> <laughs> I remember... He was in a movie, and I don't think they would never allow it today. He was in a movie, I don't know if it's the bank dick or one of them, where uh, the the little kid, and I'm talking about a little kid, was like bothering him, like a baby. Little kid was bothering him, and, and he walks in, and there's the kid sitting, you know, just by himself, and W.C. Fields looks around, looks to his left, looks to his right, then he looks into you, the audience, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And he's making sure nobody's watching, and he just wheels off as if he's kicking a 50-yard field goal <laughs> and boots the kid, uh, and the kid's crying. Uh, that's and, great. And, but he looks like, you know how uh, Laurel and Hardy, like Ollie, used to look into the camera? Yes, like, right, right. Well, this is another fine Mexican. <laughs> that's hilarious. Do. This is what he did. And, and his, one of his catchphrases was, Get away, boy, you bother me. Oh, my God. He, he was just, I mean, there was a funny guy. But, again, so much, we talk about scenes. Let's go back to Cagney for a second. Scenes that would not be allowed. I don't know if the famous in Public Enemy, 
the famous grapefruit scene would be allowed today. Go ready, Tom. Ain't you got a drink in the house? Well, not before breakfast, dear. I didn't ask you for any lip. I asked you if you had a drink. I know, Tom, but... Well, gee, I, I wish that... Hey, you go down wishing stuff again. I wish you was a wishing well. So that I could tie a bucket to you and sink you. <laughs> Maybe you found someone you like better. That was it. That was it. He squished the, the, grapefruit. the, the grapefruit. You know what he does? He, he picks it up. He looks at it for a second. And he looks at her in the face. And he goes, and he, he just jams it into a mush. And you're right. He ad-libbed that, by the way. Did he really? Yes, he did. I'm sure she was glad about that. <laughs> but they would never allow that today. And again, these guys were nasty gangsters. I mean, that's they, they weren't good guys. It was a real, you know, that was, uh, that, that, that was, that's the way they were. They treated women like garbage. And so they were p- portraying reality in public enemy. Well, that, that's exactly what it was. I, I, you know, it, we, we were talking about it. Those are the things that drive me crazy about movies or where, where you and I are talking now. It's not going to be allowed. Well, you know what? How, how do you do a story on racism without using the N word? How do you do a story on anti-Semitism without using, you, you know, phrases? Ninja, please. No, it, you can't. It, it's it's unbelievable. No, you can't. No, no, and and to me, it's not like you, you're not trying to do it for cause and effect. You're trying to do because that's what history did. That's what was part of it. Absolutely right. It, I mean, it's it's, just, it's it's just it's showing it the way it was. The way I mean, the, the, it goes back to. Uh, you know, editing out the N-word from the Mark Tw- uh, Huckleberry Finn, yeah. for example. No, you can't do that. I mean, you have to show it in all its ugliness and its glory, whatever it is. And I just watched, uh, believe it or not, they just had the uh, anniversary, the 80th anniversary of Gone with the Wind. It was just on twice the other That's day. That's right. You watched it? You watched it? I, I yeah. taped it, and then I also on- taped the making of Gone with the Wind, but... Yeah. They had to put, you know, it was an unapologetic look. They glamorized the South and the way they cavalierly treated slavery like it was no big deal and that's the objection but and un- understood slavery was horrendous but i mean you can't exercise the movie that, that you know you got to put it out there in all its uh its ugliness and its uh splendor that, at the same time that that's why roots for those people who are too young who when, when was Root, roots was in the 70s when roots came out you know that long tv series at the well, yeah, what, I remember. everybody. Uh, but um, that really portrayed, you know, slavery in a sense that, you know, wow, that was pretty, uh, you know, heavy stuff. And again, that that was TV. But think, the, thinking about, you, you know, what racists do? They watch the movie Roots backwards. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't heard that from me. <laughs> That's what racists do, not me. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Roots, uh, no Cagney and Roots, but it was uh, it was quite the miniseries. Oh my goodness! And you know, just thinking of so many of the old tough guys, but there was Cagney and Bogey, of course. Well, here's a name that, and I pointed him out to you, and you came to me a couple of times and said, "Wow, Russ, um, he he wasn't always a gangster. He just played a few of those in Scarface, Paul Muni." Oh God, Paul Muni, Scarface, you named it. But, I I was a fugitive. Oh, my. oh, but Scarface, fantastic, terrific. But you and I talked about it. Uh, the range of this guy, Paul Muni, 
because it was not only the story of Louis Pasteur, it was um, the one where he played Dreyfus. Dreyfus. Well, but what was his name in the in the, uh, in the, what was oh, the name Emil, of the movie? The Life and Times of Emil Zola. Emil Zola. That that the Life and Times of Emil Zola was fantastic, and it just shows you the range. He can play Scarface, and then he can play this brilliant novelist, this French, brilliant French novelist. Paul Muni was a, a a star, an ace actor, and I guess he met his demise early because he didn't last into the forties. No, 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 he did. He, did he really? He, he died. He died. Um, his last movie, which he was actually nominated for, The Last Angry Man. He played a, a, an older Jewish doctor, and if you watch the movie, uh, you know, in a bad neighborhood, and um, he's trying to teach people, you know, good things, and a very young, it might have been his first cast in a movie, a young Billy D. Williams. Oh, a really? young it was like a juvenile. Delinquent. Oh, so he was around for a while. Yeah, the yeah, last no, no, angry man yeah, died. Died from a heart attack. Yeah, I gotta look that up. Last angry man, terrific. Uh, well, he was very impressive. Again, Louis Pasteur, and then but uh, he was Mills- very, the re- excuse me. The reason you didn't see him a lot in a lot of the, he was very selective. Right. In his movies, he didn't have children. His wife was always by. I don't think he had children. His wife was always by his side. He was, you know, f- from Russia, you know, Russian Jew. Uh, uh, yeah, and he just one of the things was. I mean, he might have been. I don't know. Go back to when it was invented. One of the real early method actors. Like he totally got into the role. Like he lived he the really role. He really was so, so good. Again, uh, you turned me on to it. I would never watch The Life of Emil Zola because of you. I watched it and was blown away by it. Loved well, it. Well, and listen, I'm not knocking because I love all the actors in the movie, but look at the guys in The Irishman. That recently, yeah. The Irishman. They're all gangster kind of figures. In other words, they're, they're there's not, no range. They're no, playing no, well, themselves. Am I right? They're, right. They're playing the same roles they played before. Yeah. And right, not much difference. No, the Irishman was, uh, and I'll say it. It was. It was anti. It was. It was. It didn't live up to the hype. Let's put it that I, way. I, I, I think. I think that was the problem with the movie. If it wasn't as hyped as much, we would have liked it more. That and the fact that they used these old guys. Yeah. Like I mean, just Robert De Niro in particular. He can't be a young guy he anymore. Can't be, the Irishman was 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 like six four, two hundred forty pounds. I'm sorry, you can't have a seventy eight year old guy who, when he's playing the Irishman at thirty five, looks like he's sixty already. I mean, it just didn't work. I mean, his appeal to the mobsters was that he was such a big, strapping, good-looking dude, and De Niro wasn't that uh, in the movie at 70-something years old. You just just couldn't. I don't care how many special effects you have. You just couldn't play a good-looking, strapping, 6'4", 240-pound dude at 35 years old when you're 75 yourself and you're about, you know, 5'9", on top of it. No, and and also... To me, I don't think you and I aren't. Well, listen, we're not freaks. We're not alone on an island. I think there are a lot of people like us, and I think that's why TCM is successful. That there are a lot of people who just enjoy these old yeah, movies. I believe that. I, I, I just the quality of them, and 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 the acting. There are some great actors today. I, I mean, not good, great, great actors. But when you look at all those old movies, I mean, we're talking on stuff, Bernie, that's 
you know, going on 90, I know, 90 I know, years. I know, all these, uh, look, the Hitchcock movies, uh, stuff like Robin Hood, uh, Errol Flynn, Olivia de Havilland, they did Charge of the Light Brigade, Captain Blood, and then uh, Robin Hood. Uh, they did like three or four movies together. They, 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 to, to this day, Robin Hood is just something that stands the test of time like you can't believe. Speaking of Errol Flynn, you mentioned Robin Hood. and um, you know, Sir Robin of Loxley. He made tons of movies with the lovely Olivia de Havilland. Yes. Who, by the way, she she's... You mentioned Kirk Douglas before. I think she she's living in Paris. I think yes. she's like 103 or 104. I think she just passed away. Oh, is that right? Yeah, Doris Day's the only one uh, left. I think it, Olivia it, just uh, bought it, I think. <laughs> Sorry to say. Okay. But uh, Robin Hood, you had uh, Basil Rathbone, who played Sherlock oh. Holmes. You had Claude Rains, who was just uh, fantastic. He was the Invisible the Man. Invi- and the Invisible but, Man. I mean, these are just like things that, uh, th- that are going to go by the wayside at some point when you and I... Go into uh, the okay. great beyond. Yeah, the, I mean, take I, the dirt now. I hope it doesn't. I hope it lives on. Well, but, you, uh, you, you mentioned Claude Rains, of course, in Casablanca with Bogey. Uh, that's right, Louis. Louis, I think what's going to be that's the right, beginning of right. a great friendship. Yes, here. yes, yes, indeed. In Casablanca, <laughs> which was to me that was one movie that was overrated. Casablanca, I just it didn't just blow my dress up. No, uh, no I I I thought it was a very very good movie. Was, I didn't you know, think it was the greatest. movie. I don't go back to it over and over. No, I no, I, I mean it's it's good to see, uh, you know. But I I just didn't th- think like wow, it was you know the beat all to end all. You mentioned also before you were mentioning um, Kirk Douglas and Burt Lancaster. A great great movie made uh, in the fifties, Seven Days in May. Oh, I saw it. Fantastic. When the go- he's look Yeah. Lancaster is looking to like overthrow right, the right, government. Right, right, right. Frederick March is in it. Yeah, all the good guys. Oh yeah. my all uh the, all the guys in there. Edmund O'Brien, everybody in Martin Balsam, everybody in their glory is in that. Right. Right. No, that was great. Uh, there there was a couple of good movies in the 60s, politically uh, driven movies. Uh that Kirk Douglas and Henry Fonda even played. Uh Henry Fonda played a Senate candidate. I just watched it recently. I don't don't write these things down, but but it's good stuff. TCM is just. I mean, that's when movies and dialogue and acting mattered, whereas today much less so. It's it's got to be glitz, glamour, PC, special effects, and uh, I mean the glitz and the glamour were there in the past, but uh, I guess what I mean is the special effects and. Uh, just the PC nonsense. I just can't stand the no, movies. No, it, it, it's true. It, it's not just the, the movies. I mean, think about. I mean, I guess we're going off course a little bit here. But when you think about, because you and I, and you're always doing your outstanding imitation of Archie Bunker. But um, could Archie Bunker? Could All in a Family be made today? No. Could the Jeffersons be made today? Could, could, could um, of course not. No. Uh, um, Sanford and Son be made today? Not at all. Not a chance. No, no, no. Today, maybe on Netflix, maybe okay. on uh, you know one of the uh, paper show channels, but not on the net broadcast network. They couldn't. I, I, I mean, Sanford and Son. I, Sanford and Son was laugh out loud to me. I, I thought he was absolutely. Um, yeah, he was. No, he was uh, irreverent. Red to Fox say the least. was. Uh, I I will never he, forget. There was a what do you call it, uh, Bernie? A um, a mobile like hospital thing to go get a tuberculosis test. So uh, Lamont, his son, is sending Fred 
to go get, you know, the tuberculosis test. And, uh, you know, long story short, he says, now, Dad, when you go, first of all, he didn't want to go. So finally he's getting him to go. He says, now, Pop, make sure you put on clean underwear when you go get the test. Clean underwear? I ain't putting on clean drawers for some old, ugly white woman. (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic. No, you could never. And I'll give you one, too, from all in the family. Uh, Archie just uh, mediates a dispute between, uh, who was it, Uh, from uh, moving on up, uh, the black guy, what's his name? Uh, Whatever the hell it is. Jefferson? Jefferson. He mediated this dispute between Jefferson and some other guy. So Edith goes... Oh, it's, it's the very end of the show. Oh, Archie, you're a regular Henry Kissinger. And he goes, oh, geez, Edith, I got enough trouble without being a he there, huh? And that's how they end. Oh, my Without God. I think he, he makes a remark at one point. He's talking about different people. Yeah, you got your heaves, you got your eye ties, you got right, your right, mix right, here. Right, right. And it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. Dummy up there, you, huh? Dinner, dinner, dinner. <laughs> oh, Archie. That was great stuff. Listen, what's yeah. great stuff is having you sitting in with me here today, uh, Bernie. Uh, this was great. And you know what? We got to do this again because I think people are going to like hearing talking about the old movies. I hope so. All I, right. I hope there's more of us out there. Let, let, let's hope so indeed. But thanks, Bernie. Thanks for being part Thank of Thank you, this. Russ. An honor. Thank you. All right, folks, that is a wrap here. I want to thank all of you for getting a load of this today with me and Bernard McGoik. Now I'd like to get a load of you and let me know your thoughts on today's podcast. You can let me know on Twitter at Russ Salzberg. On Facebook, you can also check out my website at russalsberg.com. My thanks to, again, Bernard McGurk. My thanks to Matt Meany, who's at the control today, to uh, my uh, podcast producer, Tim Einickel, 77 WABC program director, Dave Labrosi, his outstanding assistant, uh, Matt Dahl. And last but certainly not least, you dirty rats out there, because without you people out there, I'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying to all of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. See? See you next time. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When it comes to scents, you should pick ones that smell like, well, you. Target gets it, which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring, choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com.